shall remain. I will rejoice and I will declare God is my victory and he is here. Oh, this is my prayer. from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt so praise the Father Praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. To kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died So praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who come 
to the Father are restored, and the church of Christ was born. Then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old, it shall not kneel, it shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, it's in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. So praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. So praise forever to the King of kings. Our God is an awesome God, he reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God, our God is an awesome God, he reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Sing it to him. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God.
that is truly our prayer this morning that everything that we would say every interaction we would have Lord not just in this place but especially as we walk out of here as we go into our neighborhoods into our homes into the places that we work that Lord the words that come out of our mouths would be praise to you so Father be with us as we pray that this morning we know that you're here in the service with us continue to work in and through what's being done here today Father, we want to hear from you. We don't want to hear ourselves. We want to hear from you this morning. So continue to speak through us, uh, through the individuals that you are bringing forward, Lord. Let your words be their words, and let us hear your words through them today. Thank you for all you bless us with. Thank you for this time together. It's your name we praise you and thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. So if you're not hungry, if you didn't eat breakfast, you're going to be starving, so I apologize in advance. Um, I'm doing the connection moment this morning and just going to share a little bit with you about Holy Smokes, which is arguably I'm biased here, but it's probably the best collective we've ever had at this church and maybe ever will have at this church. So 
all the other clicks has been great. So again, I'm, wow, they're never going to let me talk again as if they should have in the first place. Um, let me find my notes here because I'm still in guitar playing mode. So if I start doing this, then you'll know that I'm just still trying to figure it out here. So, okay, not Snoke for any Star Wars fans out there. <clears throat> okay, so this is called the bun, the beef, and the sauce. All right, so the bun, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a kind of an overview of what it was, kind of where we met, right? So the origin story, I think of this, and Josh can correct me if I'm totally wrong on this, but the staff kind of assumed there were several guys at church that really liked to smoke meats, talk about food, experiment, and thought it would be a really great opportunity to do a collective where we could get together, share food, kind of fellowship a little bit, have a good time, and share our creations and then also kind of a secondary sort of purpose would be anybody knew a good way to get plugged into the church um, so we would meet one night a week right similar to the other collectives um, gathering at a, at a different place so giving people opportunities to open up their homes and um, you know be hospitable um, the beef let me give you the beef Right, I'm going to try to keep this short because I usually talk for either way too long or I don't talk for long enough. So Dean, throw a tomato or something at me if you have one. Um, <clears throat> very talented chefs. So I'm going to read a poem at the end, just a little spoiler that I wrote to kind of give you just a little bit of an idea of some of the food that we consumed. Um, again, I didn't eat breakfast, so if you hear something, it's most likely my stomach just grumbling as I'm thinking about this food and I'm salivating as I'm talking. Uh, even if you didn't have a smoker though, you could still bring some food and still kind of contribute. So that's kind of a, I'm not supposed to be giving a promotion for the next time we have it is what I was told. Um, but I've, I, I don't follow rules all that well when you put a microphone in my hand to begin with. Um, but even if you didn't have a smoker, it, it wasn't gonna be discouraging for, for guys that still wanted to come and partake and get to know other guys and, and just, just a really cool outlet. So. I would encourage anybody that's interested in um, getting involved that, that wants to try some awesome food, if nothing else, who in here likes to eat food. I know most, most of us do. Even if you didn't raise your hand, I've talked to you about food before. I know I have. So, okay. Um, so anyway, let me, let me read my poem to you because this will give you kind of a, a picture. So if you want to close your eyes, I don't sound like Shakespeare, but I think I'm related to Shakespeare. So it kind of... It kind of counts. Um, not an iambic pentameter either. It'll be in, in just a, a hillbilly's poem. So this poem is called Not Another Bite. Brisket, beans, buns, and pork. Did someone remember to bring forks? Pig shots, armadillo eggs, meatballs and chili, cheesy taters, venison, street corn. Oh, Billy. That's for Todd. He's I don't know if he's going to hear this, but that was specifically for Todd. If you know him, you'll know why I said that, and you can ask him about that. Back to my poem. First plate, second plate, third plate, dessert. Am I alone in this belly hurt? The answer is no, I'm not. Beautiful concoctions, experiments in a barbecue stork. We found the holy grail. It's an Oreo wrapped in pork. All right, so just to give you a little bit of an idea here, um, those of you who didn't go there, I can see the guys who, who know what I'm talking about, but um, Jesse Wilder smoked Oreos wrapped in bacon, and they were pretty phenomenal. So you can, don't take my word for it, just you can, you can ask around. 
Back to my poem again. See, this is how bad I am at poetry. Talking about food while eating food, while talking about eating food, is just simply a heavenly mood. Holy, holy, holy smokes. Come for the food and stay for the jokes. Meet a new friend, make a new connection. Does that turkey have a bacon-flavored injection? <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> um, we, we really had a great time with it, I would say. Um, I believe there will probably be something kind of coming out uh, the next time that we decide to have this collective, but I would encourage you to, to think about it. It's a great time. Uh, anybody that's maybe newer at the church that needs a place to, to plug in or wants to come and have some really good food, I would also say that there's probably not a better collective for that. So thank you guys and ha have a good lunch. Thank you, Chris, for making everybody hungry. And uh, I'll, I'll promise I'll preach short so you can go get your uh, Oreo wrapped in bacon. And uh, that sounds interesting. And uh, I think I'll have to try that. Last Wednesday night, Terry and I was at a place called Throw Nation. Anybody ever been to Throw Nation? There are now establishments in, uh, in Columbus where you can actually throw axes. That's right. This was an axe-throwing establishment. And so Terry and I was there, and we were, we were throwing axes. And, and what I found to throw the axe effectively and have it stick in the wall was I had to be all out. If you try to guide it, if you try to aim it, you're just going to bounce off the wall. But if you just rear back and throw it as hard as you can, guess what? More times than not, it sticks in the wall. And our spiritual walk's a little bit like that. Our spiritual walk's a little bit like axe throwing. That, that if we really want to be effective in our discipleship, if we hold back, if we're not all in, if there's things that we're leaving out, we will never be as effective in our spiritual walk. Our discipleship will never be effective unless we're all in, going all out. Um, you ever drive and have your parking brake on? And your parking brake still be functioning. Uh, you ever do that? You, you start to go, and, and then you realize that, that the parking brake's on. You, why, why am I not going anywhere? And it's because you've got the parking brake on. Oftentimes, we live as disciples in the same way. We, we live as disciples uh, holding back. Uh, we live as disciples with the parking brake on, and we never live to the fullest. We never live to the extent that God has in mind for us, what God wants in our life. Uh, this next series, this five-week series, we're going to be looking at some of those things that hold us back. The, those things that we keep in our life that, that God wants us to eliminate from our life so that we can live fully for him. And so we're going to talk about sin and shame and the past, unfulfilled expectations. All of these things hold us back from experiencing what God has in mind for us. They frustrate us as we try to live as disciples. And this week we're going to set the direction, and we're going to use a familiar story of John 11. It's the resurrection of Lazarus. You've been around the church a long time. You've heard this story many times. And we're going to walk through this story and then do some talk about some of the, the implications of this story as we, we finish the sermon. But John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his, her sister Martha. 
This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so Lazarus and Mary and Martha are familiar characters in the story, particularly in the Gospel of John. Um, they, they lived near Jerusalem, uh, probably on the last week of Jesus' life. He's probably staying at Martha, Mary, and Lazarus' house. They're close friends. You have the story of Martha complaining because Mary's not doing anything. She's just hanging out with Jesus and Martha's working. You have this story of Mary wiping Jesus' feet with perfume. And then you have Judas all bent out of shape because he's saying, hey, we could have sold this perfume and we could have given the money to the poor. But really, Judas just wanted the money. So they're familiar characters. Uh, they, they, they are loved by Jesus, and they're close friends of Jesus. Even though they're not Galilean, they are connected to Jesus. So somewhere in his ministry, something happened that Jesus became central to their life. And there's a lot of legends and stories out there, and we won't get into those, why Jesus is so close to them, but, but they are. They're friends. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Notice, for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, now that's, it's an interesting phrase, right? Just the way it's written. Jesus really loves them, so he's going to wait two days. And so we have this, that, that Jesus, even though it's affirming that he loves them, he's not responding to their need immediately. He's not going back to Judea. And so I'd say this before we move on. Timing does not determine the extent of God's love for us. So, so some of you may be going through things. You're, you're waiting for something. You're waiting for an answer. You're waiting for God to move. You're waiting for God to do something fresh or new in your life. There's a situation where you need God to do something desperately. And you're praying and you're asking and you're seeking. And it seems like God is just waiting. Can we take from this story? Just because God sometimes is waiting to move in your life does not have anything to do with his love for you. He loves you even in the waiting. But Rabbi, they said, a short, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Now, very very easily what Jesus is saying here, or very simply what Jesus is saying is, is this. Obedience trumps everything. Walk in the light you have been given. <laughs> in other words, Jesus said, when you know where to walk, walk. Uh, who in this room are my planners? Who, who's, who's planners out there? Anybody give me your hand say, yeah, I, I, I like to plan. I'm a planner. In, in my first senior role when I went to Trenton, I planned out a year of sermons. Before we went there, I, I, we had vacation, had all sorts of things, and I planned out a year of sermons that I was going to preach my first year there. You know, I didn't preach them. <laughs> I'm still waiting to get those sermons preached out, right? And, you know, we, we plan, and, and planning is good, but plans are always subject to God. 
Walk in the light you have been given. Uh, ministry in the future. What's it going to look for me after June 5th? I don't know. You know, God's not revealed exactly what it's going to look like in, after we're, we're gone as your senior pastor. And, and, but I'm walking in the light that God has given us. And June 5th, after I preach my last sermon here, we, we don't even know where we're going to be in church. It's the first time since 1992 that Terry and I have been in a situation where we don't know what Sunday morning, June 12th, looks like. And yet we're walking in the light that God has given us. We know that God has a plan, and we're going to walk in that light as he reveals it. And there's areas in your life that, that you don't know exactly what the future holds. Prepare. Plan. That's okay. But your plans are always subject to God. Walk in the light you've been given. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to raise him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So there's something important to see here. Jesus is saying that, that Lazarus is now dead, and I'm going to move in this drastic, dire circumstance. And, and so we learn from this that we can learn even in the worst of times. That, that maybe you're in that situation, maybe it's the worst of times, but even in the worst of times, if we lean into Jesus we can learn something. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Does anybody else hear Eeyore in there, right? Oh, well, let's just go and die with him. Didymus means depressing friend. That's, no, it's not. That's not what it means. And so they, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. So, so there's this interesting contrast here. We have in this part of the story, Martha's coming to Jesus, and, and Mary's staying behind. And in the other story, it's Mary that comes to Jesus, and, and Martha's doing other things. But now Martha comes to Jesus Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother's going to rise again. And, and, and Martha responds in a way that I think oftentimes we respond in difficult times. And, and there's truth in this that she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. In other words, Martha is seizing on to this hope that, yeah, yeah, we believe that you have the power to give life after death, that there is a resurrection to come, and, and we'll have some level of hope even in that. We've all dealt with that. We've lost loved ones, right? And, and we lose those loved ones, and we're thankful for that hope of the resurrection. And that's where Martha is. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know Jesus you're going to make everything right, and, and there's going to be this last resurrection. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Every funeral I've ever preached, I use this passage. Um, that, that this passage of Jesus, because it gives me the words of Jesus at a funeral. I, th- I think it's important. If I'm going to speak at a funeral, I'm going to, I'm at some point in that funeral, I'm going to say the same things Jesus said at a funeral. And Jesus speaks these words at a funeral. And most funerals, particularly the funeral of a believer, I'll say, you know, their life has expressed an answer to this question. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And their life has expressed an answer to that question. Let me ask you, do you believe this? What Jesus said here, do you believe that? And if people were to watch how you were living your life, whether you live according to that belief, are you living? Does your life say that you believe? After she had said this, she, Martha, went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but she was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforted her, noticing, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her. Supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Um, Mary says the same thing as Martha, but it feels far more blunt, far more accusing towards Jesus. Anybody ever been there? Lord, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you'd have been here, there wouldn't have been this separation, this death, this financial death. Lord, if you would have been here, Lord, if you'd have just been here, life would have been better. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then maybe the most powerful verse, or one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, Jesus wept. Messiah, Son of God, child of heaven, the the one who had eternity in his hand, sees those mourning, and Jesus weeps with them. In this passage... You see the fullness of God and the fullness of humanity together. That God weeps with us. Jesus weeps with us. He is on our side. He's not looking at us from afar, but God is in the muck. Jesus is in the muck with us. Experiencing our hardship and our heartaches. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. 
Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Can we just stop for a moment and acknowledge how amazing and how frightening this would have been all at the same time, right? You know, this would be a very unsettling thing for this to happen. It's an amazing story. It demonstrates the resurrection power of Jesus. Aren't you thankful for the resurrection power of Jesus? And it's telling us something about who Jesus is. And the timing of it is significant. Four days is significant. See, in their culture, there would be a week of mourning. That There would be a solid week of mourning. But the first three days were different than the last four days. In the first three days, they mourned with this sense of hope that perhaps... Perhaps they would, they would wake up, that it wasn't really final, that there would still be some resurrection because they did have times where they were wrong and they put someone in a tomb and in the cool of the tomb they came out. And so what they believed was that the spirit hovered around the tomb for three days, but after three days, there was no hope. And so on this fourth day, it was all done. They would have left the tomb. They would have been mourning at home. The body was beginning to be corrupted or rot. There was no hope of resurrection at this point. Lazarus was beyond hope. And Jesus heals past this period. Intentionally heals past this period. Anybody ever see the old movie Lawrence of Arabia with Peter O'Toole? It's an old one. I think it's 1968. It's a it's a classic movie. It's worth watching. It's the story of Lawrence of Arabia. Um, I think that, that was kind of a joke, but that's okay. So Lawrence is in, 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 in Arabia, Saudi Arabia, and, he's, and, and they're, they're going through the desert, and somebody falls behind. And uh, Lawrence says, well, I'm going to go back and get him. And, and one of the elders says, no, leave him. You know, it, it is written. He is dead. It is written. And Lawrence insists on going back and comes back with this dead man, that this man from the desert that was, was assumed dead and rescues him and brings him back. And when he talks to the elders, he says, nothing is written until I say it's written. Powerful, emotional image. In our life, we can't really say that. Lawrence can't say that. But God can say that. God can say, nothing is written until I say it is written. You know, there's things that you're dealing with, you've been dealing with for years. And and maybe you're saying in your life, well, it's written, it's over, it's done. And God says, it's not done. Keep praying, keep seeking. I can still save, I can still reconcile, I can still bring life in this circumstance. Don't give up because God doesn't give up. No hope is lost with God. It is interesting, though, and I always, when, I, when I think about these stories and the healings that Jesus performed, every person that Jesus healed 
eventually died, right? Lazarus died again. And, and so this is not a final healing. And, and there's a significance of it beyond just that event. You know, it, it talks about, it tells us about the power of Jesus. And it, it's that God is at work in this life. And Jesus is particularly about that. But, but it also tells us about the importance of this life. That, that Jesus could have very easily said with Martha, yeah, you're right, there'll be a final resurrection. But I want you to see that something there's something about this life that matters too. This life, though fleeting, matters. And we talked about this, I've talked about this often, I talked about this last week, that the point is not just life after death, but life before death. And Jesus is saying, I have power in this life. Sure, there's a coming resurrection, but I want you to know that I came to bring life in this place. And in this story, he invites others to be a part of that resurrection. You know, I, a lot of these miracles, he does the same thing. And it's, a, it's amazing how many miracles Jesus allows others to participate in. I thought of two just off the top of my head. There's the lame man by the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus says, well, he says, pick up your mat and walk. In other words, Jesus invites him to participate in his healing. He has his first miracles in Cana, and he has, has him fill up these servants' fill up these huge jars with water. They, they participate with him, and, and Jesus turns it into grape juice. Sorry, I Nazarene that up for us. Turns it into wine. He invites them to participate in the miracle. And here, it's the same. He invites them to participate in the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. He says, move the stone. You move the stone. God's not going to move the stone. You move the stone. And they have this great response, and it's one of my favorite King James version. It says, he, he stinketh. <laughs> that sounds holier than he stinks, right? You know, like I say, Spencer, your room stinketh. That sounds a lot better than your room stinks, right? And so he says, he stinketh. And then this last verse, take off the grave clothes and let him go. He's inviting the community to participate in the resurrection of Lazarus, and it's an invitation for us, the body of Christ, the community of believers, to participate with Jesus in the resurrection of many folks, to move stones, to help take off grave clothes. So let me ask you, as a church, are we moving barriers or are we setting barriers up? Are we taking off grave clothes or are we simply weighing people down with more obligations? See, Jesus invites his church, his community, to be a part of bringing people back to life. You know, I, I also want us to see this, how, how they dealt with the dead. See, they, they wrapped him up. So can you imagine uh, these wrappings are starting to stink? You know, they don't smell real pleasant. And, and he's inviting people to kind of get their hands a little bit dirty in this process. I, I did uh, several children's camps with Pastor Brian when he was children's pastor in southwest Ohio. And I did several children's camps where I was a counselor. And, and here is the most important job of a children's camp counselor. 
make sure the kids take a shower at least once a week. If you've been to a children's camp, you know what I'm talking about. Now, from my perspective, if I could get them in a pool once a week, I'd just squirt soap at them, okay, and hope that something happened. And so that was an important thing, because if you don't, they start to stink. <laughs> you know, in our dealings with people, we may have to get our hands a little bit dirty in the lives of people that have a lot of dead things in their life. May not always smell nice, may not always be pretty, but if we want to be the people of God, that means sometimes we have to dive in with both feet and help people. Personally, are you still hanging on to dead things? Are there things in your life that are dead and decaying and you're still hanging on to them? You ever have this happen? You ever have an animal crawl into a crawl space or into a wall or into an attic and die? Anybody ever have that happen? And then you walk in the house, you, oh, man, there's something wrong here. And, and either you find it or eventually it decays enough that it stops smelling. And is there something in your life that's rotting and decaying? It may be hidden. Maybe behind a door, maybe in an, under the floor in the attic, but it's there, and you know it's there. One of the things I like about Sunday morning and prayer times is it's a space to clear things out. <laughs> you know, yeah, prayer is at its, its at, at its essence. At its essence, it's communication with God, but at its core, prayer is this communication with God where you're seeking something better, something more. That in your life you sense that, God, I, I just need you to move in this way. And, and so we're going to bring the lights down and just give you some space. Maybe, maybe there's something in your life that you need to let go of. Maybe there's something, maybe there's a sin, maybe there's an attitude. Maybe there's, you fill in the blank, you know, that God's just saying, you know, that's holding you back. That, that, that's keeping you from being what I have in mind for you. Now, it's not that I want something from you. I want something for you. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So, so maybe there's just some relics of your past, some dead men clothes that you need to take off. We're going gonna, gonna to pray with us, and we're going to wait just a second. Our altars are always available, and maybe there's just something you need to bring up here and, and lay before God this morning. Lord, help us to be obedient in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Who would just say by uplifted hand, Pastor, I just feel God's calling me to something more. I don't know exactly if there's something I need to give up, but I feel like he's calling me more. Would you just lift your hands so I can just see? I see those hands. You can put them down. Let's pray. Lord, right now, we give you thanks for our resurrections. What Rock talked about earlier. Lord, you bring life the reality is, oftentimes, we cling to death. 
things that don't bring life. We cling, cling to hurts. We allow habits to cling to us. Lord, we revisit sins. Lord, we sometimes ignore those things that bring healing. We hide in shame. We fail to confess. We ignore community. We begin to think that this spiritual walk is is me and God and no one else matters. And, And yet, Lord, as we read the word, you never see that. This spiritual walk is all based on community and confession, walking with each other, being vulnerable, allowing the Holy Spirit to move through worship services, through small groups, through prayer groups, through friendships, through discipleship. So Lord, give us a willingness to let go of our pride, to let go of our privacy, and not let these things keep us from experiencing your kingdom as you, as you desire. Lord, I confess, there's times that I've held on to things that didn't further your kingdom and weren't all that important. So sometimes, Lord, I've, I've held on to grudges and bitterness and, and Lord, help me to grab hold of better things living things. Now, Lord, as we go from this place, you're not done speaking. Lord, I'm convinced that if we pay attention, if we open our ears, if we make our hearts tender, you can be as real outside these walls, and you want to be as real outside these walls as you are as when we gather. You want to continue to speak and to, and, to, and to show us, Lord, what you have in mind for us. Lord, help me to have open ears and tender heart. But Lord, may we be a church, a people, a community, a family that's marked by the same thing. May we love each other. May we love you. And Lord, may we continue to grow in the image of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in the name of your Son, who left the comforts of heaven, took on human form, suffered and died, was dead and buried, but rose from the grave. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. God bless, folks.